0: And away we go, ladies and gentlemen. It has been months on end, but we have finally found football this preseason. And we are here along for the ride with you on the Sunday card. Maddie Ice, Matty C. Matt Silberth joins me, Dan Zampano. Maddie, we finally hit the Hall of Fame game. It's preseason opening week. I mean, I'm hearing all this kind of crazy talk. In Hard Knocks about, you know, the only bird that attacks an eagle is a crow. And the eagle just takes it, pecking at its neck, but it'll fly as high as possible to choke out the crow. Like all these crazy analogies inside Jets camp on Hard Knocks. They've already played a Hall of Fame game. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this.
1: All I heard was if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. Oh! So uh hard knocks is back football is back we've seen we've seen the ball on the field it was zach wilson throwing said ball um but man it feels good it feels good that we are right around the corner more training camp videos uh huh. all over all over twitter and instagram uh i know you love eating that up just as much as i do and a lot of stuff in training camp coming out about these teams the nfc west we're going to talk about yeah oh. a lot of stuff a lot of training camps talking about these teams the uh,
0: specifically one team with one quarterback that you don't know whether he's actually really really good in camp or really really bad at camp i'm looking at you trey area like that's it's just ridiculous what's going on in san francisco with the quarterback situation but we'll get to that um did you enjoy the first episode of hard knocks
1: i always enjoy hard knocks i you (laughs) know people always have gripes about it and it's like it wasn't this it wasn't that it was just like it's Leif Schreiber as Aaron Rodgers' voice of God. <laughs> I love it. He just kept going in because it's like Leif Shriver is is the the highlight of that show. It's just him narrating and, and and again, it's just more football. It's it's looks it's looks inside stuff that we don't get, uh, you know, in your typical week to week. Um, so yeah, I always love Hard Knocks. I will never knock it. Uh, this one in particular
0: has is probably the most hyped one that we've seen because it was literally just a highlight reel of Aaron Rodgers dimes and no look passes for most of this episode it was he loves the camera loves it the Jets fully embrace it even though like there was all this talk about just yeah like we definitely don't want it and people don't like trade secrets and blah 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 they are this is so New York it, they're eating it alive it is juicy bulletin board material that that the media is gonna go crazy over.
1: It's the perfect combination of even without hard knocks, the Jets were going to be the most hyped team as far as making the big jump and and making the leap and all of the, you know, pressure and expectations around them. And then you add hard knocks into the mix, which always boosts these teams up. Like we said, the Lions last year and everything else, like it always has an effect on how the public views these teams. So the bar was already sky high and we get through five weeks of hard knocks. I think you know the amount of people that are going to pick the win the Super Bowl on on TV it's is going to be insane. insane. It's going to be off the charts.
0: It's going to be like the Bills last year. It's just going to be everybody's going to pick the Jets. Every single person picked the yeah, yeah it's <laughs> ridiculous. All right, well that's really good. Uh, there's a couple of news camps. I mean, I'm sure you've seen some Twitter people Kareem Hunt visiting uh, New Orleans and then absolutely last second pulling the rug out and going to Indianapolis because they offered him more money at the last second so now he's visiting there we don't know if he's going to be signed by the end of, by the time you hear this podcast he might be in indianapolis with jonathan taylor situation the running back market continues to fluctuate still no dalvin cook news still no zeke elliott news it's crazy
1: yeah i mean you have um, jonathan taylor josh jacobs still kind of yep. like I, do we know if josh jacobs is going to hold out into the season um you know saquon we've got a little clarity on but the running back drama just cease, never stops, never stops this offseason.
0: No, it's crazy. It's, it's a train that keeps on going. We'll see a lot of guys I feel like are going to sign two or three, maybe even one week before the regular season begins. But we'll find out here preseason week coming up. Pats and Texans on Thursday night with a couple other teams playing as well. Uh, let's do the nfc west the final positional rankings my how how it is gone by so quickly this summer this summer in particular and i think it really needed to because this is a summer of like wow you know this we need football back here with the stuff going on so we're going to get into it as always we rank the quarterbacks the running backs pass catchers defenses and coaching rooms in every positional ranking in the division but first blind player resume are you ready My last, my last exam, my final exam. And I think this one may be semi easy. I think I like, you know, I I put you through the ringer a few times. And I think this one might be not easy, but I, I think you might get it. I think you might get it. So here we go. Player A is a prominent player at the position. Player B is a player that might be underrated that had a pretty good year last year. So here we go. Player A played in 17 games last season. He had 90 receptions on 141 targets, around 63% completion uh, catch percentage. He had 1,048 yards receiving, 6 touchdowns, and 11.6 yards per catch, playing 82% of snaps. Player B also played in 17 games had just 78 catches, but on 114 targets, 1,015 yards and eight touchdowns, having 13 yards per catch and played 91% of the snaps. Maddie, who is player A and who is player B? Okay,
1: so I'm trying to think. Player A, close to 100 catches, Mm -hmm. 1,400 yards is a ton. A 1,048. Okay, sorry, 1048. Yeah. 1,048, sorry, not 40. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Eight touchdowns. I'm going to take a stab at player B first, because obviously my pool yeah. is a little bit easier to pick from. Mm-hmm. Did DK Metcalf play 17 games last year? He
0: did. However, I think you've got the player A and player B. I don't know if you were guessing player B or player A, but player A and player B. Player A is DK Metcalf. That is oh, true. so,
1: so you, you screwed me up in the intro. You said I player did. A
0: is a prominent player at the position. Well, he is, and I am really was trying to trick you with interdivision stuff. That's all I was trying I, to do. I see. I don't like when you do that. I know, but I have to do it sometimes. I have to throw a wrench into this whole thing. So, but DK Metcalf is correct as player A. So he had 90 catches on 141 targets, 1048 yards, six touchdowns, and 11.6 yards per catch. But player B. 78 catches on 114, 1,015 yards, eight touchdowns, and 13 yards per catch. Tyler Lockett? It is not Tyler Lockett. Okay, I thought okay. you I didn't want to go same team. I almost did, uh. but Tyler Lockett I consider a, a prominent. He's a prominent player. He's a consistent player. Um, a I would. Ha- I have. Tonight.
1: I have one stab here, and if it's not it, it, it. Brandon Ayuk, that
0: is correct. It is Brandon Ayuk. That is. Which I was kind of surprised. I did not realize that Brandon Ayuk, not a ton of catches, but a good, really good uh, catch percentage. He had 1,000 yards, he had eight touchdowns. And it also told me, it was like, D.K. Metcalf, I mean, what were they doing with just not using him as a deep ball threat at all last year? He had less less yards per catches than Juju Smith-Schuster and Jacoby
1: Myers. Not great. And I would say six touchdowns has to be the fewest he's had in his career. I mean, he's just been a touchdown maker his whole. His whole career. Mm-hmm. It looked on
0: paper like, okay, DK Metcalf, 1,000 yards, 90 catches. But in reality, it was kind of not as great of a year. Tyler Lockett, I think, had a much more efficient year, had
1: more touchdowns. But Brandon Ayuk was a beast. And we forget Debo missed a good amount of time. I was going to say, he really went off in that. It was like the middle of the season, wasn't it, when Debo, Debo was out? Uh, and I remember he had a really good stretch there. So Brandon And when, Ayuk- and when Purdy took over.
0: Right, he had a career year. It was in most catches, most yards, most touchdowns in his career. So, a little bit of a trick up with the uh, with the interdivision play, but uh, you you nailed it. You nailed it. I got there eventually. You'll probably nail this next one too, and that's the quarterback position because Matty, I says he always does goes first in quarterback position. I think we'll have we'll have some discussion. I think there'll be a discussion. Let's sit at the dinner table. Let's let's ring around to Rosie. Let's talk about this quarterback because honestly. I think there's a case for a few teams here to be at the top, but you tell me.
1: See, I I think I had a clear separation between top half and bottom half here. Okay. I did have a a conflict between where they went and those uh, breaking them off, coupling them up. But number four, I did end up going the Cardinals.
0: Uh, Okay. And and yeah, this is a caveat because you're assuming Kyler – does not play for a long time? They're saying mid-December at best. So really? Because I've heard I, different than that. I, now we're okay. starting to hear like he may get on the field
1: and start working out in September. So okay. we'll see. Um either way, I, I did start to think that I go, well, even if we count Kyler Murray for a full season, how much is that really giving us? Number three, 49ers with the, the trio that they have. Two. Seahawks, and number one, the Rams. Oh, I like that.
0: I like that. Matt Stafford, still on top. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, give me your lesson, and we'll get into it. So I factored in figuring that Kyler Murray was going to play. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm assuming week four or five. That's would be a projection that I've heard. Um, that's typical off of a nine-month injury. Um, we'll see how effective he is, yes. But still, I, I do think he'll be there. I think we just fundamentally uh, – I'm off of the Stafford train. He's not number – they're not number four. I have the Niners fourth. Um, the Niners – we're just kind of going into this assuming that Brock Purdy is going to be totally fine. And I question that. I, I He only played in five games last year. He did play well in – one playoff game kind of struggled against the Cowboys and then obviously got knocked out against the Eagles. So Brock Purdy, I'd like to see him do it for much longer than the way he did it for. He was incredibly efficient. Um, We'll see if he can run the offense similarly to how Jimmy ran the offense. But uh, again, I'd like to see more out of Brock Purdy before I'm going to anoint the Niners and on five games, Sam Darnold coming back in sounds like he's going to be the second string, which is, Kind of wild uh, that Trey Lance may either sit or get traded. We'll find out. I had the Rams third. I, I had Stafford, and I know that's disrespectful. I think you're. I think you're going to think that's disrespectful, but I, I look at Matt Stafford. He's been a good quarterback for a long time. He had 2021 mostly. I mean, 41 touchdowns. He, if you look at 2022, last year playing in nine games. A, I think he was really really down last year because of an injury Uh, it sounded like he was playing that way I also am not sure if that injury is reoccurring if it's now at the point where we're too, we're getting up there in age um you know I I don't know I don't know where we are with Matt Stafford I have a lot of questions and uh, until those questions are answered I don't really feel comfortable at this point putting him any higher than that because in nine games, I mean, he was at 10 touchdowns and eight picks. Um, and to be honest with you, Matt Stafford has always kind of been a feast or famine guy. He's thrown a lot of interceptions in his career. And I know he's playing with the Lions, but even when 2021, when he was playing with the Rams and they won the Super Bowl, he threw 17 picks that year. Yes, he threw 41 touchdowns, but Matt Stafford, as good as he is, had a really was really starting to go downhill last year. And I... Question whether he's going to be able to get back to that elite status. I really do. The reason I have the Cardinals at number two is because, again, like I said, I think Kyler Murray will end up playing at least, probably, I don't know, eleven games this year. I would say that played eleven games last year, and even though his yards per attempt were down and his pass rating was down, he's still a extreme talent. Now you can take out the football IQ and the leadership qualities and take all those things out, but his talent does override a lot of that. When you think, I mean, he did pretty much backpack a no name team to a playoff. And there's gotta be something to said to say for that. His talent is there. If he just applied himself a little bit, I think that he would be an elite level quarterback and, Listen, he hasn't done that yet, but if he does this year and if he does come back, I could see them being better than people think they are, not being a four-win team. Um, And and I'm in with that. And then I got the Seahawks number one because Geno Smith, we'll see maybe if it was an outlier year or not, but they have a really, really good offense. Like they just have a ton of weapons. Uh, I think their offensive line got a lot better with the two rookies that they had last year only are going to get better. They got good running backs. I mean, he's set up to be successful. I'm projecting Geno Smith to be the top quarterback in this division.
1: Okay, so I, I, you... I agree. I pretty, I pretty much, I almost had the Niners at four, so I can agree with that. There, hmm. I think the thought of, I, I think we would both say that we like the Niners to win this division this year. I mean, they're uh... they're, they're they're Okay, well, we'll get to that later. I don't think it's obvious. Okay, but they're they're a heavy favorite. I think they're they're yes. They're tied with the Chiefs for the heaviest favorite to win their division, or maybe and them and the uh, Jaguars, I believe. Um, But to so to have them like I can't imagine any other situation, any other team, unless they're coached by Kyle Shanahan Mm -hmm. with the most efficient run game in football, that we would have a team fourth in the quarterback ranks that is favored on a minus number to win their division. So that I think was maybe just hard for me to wrap my head around. Fair Kyler enough. Murray has never thrown for 4,000 yards his entire career. His high is 26 passing touchdowns. And you're just expecting him to take the flip and switch. Like he forgets, you know, he, 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 he throws his Xbox out the window and finally flips the switch in year five that he's going to start applying himself. I don't necessarily buy it. Gina, uh, and then you have an argument with Gino Smith and Matt Stafford that, I, you've basically thrown away the rest of their career and you've looked at last year. Matt Safford had his worst year of his career last year. And Gino Smith had by far the best year of his career last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to take a little bit of sample size from the rest of their career and say that, I mean, Gino, obviously Gino has the weapons around him, but he did have a downslide in his final six, seven games. His, his efficiency was not off of the charts. Like it was to start the year when they did have a pretty easy schedule. Um, so again, I expect Stafford to get back to his normal 4200 yards, 4400 yards, right mm-hmm. around 30 passing touchdowns. Um, I they said if they can get back up to that 41 number where Cooper cup was going just bananas in the Super Bowl year obviously in 21. Um, I don't know if he'll get back to that level uh, but to 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 knock him for a year last year where he had a shoulder problem his, his throwing shoulder was hurt coming into week one like we knew he had a shoulder. From the very start of the season, mm-hmm. and then Geno Smith—I mean, everybody, including us—had the Seahawks written for dead last year. And then he pops off and has an above a far above average season from what he's ever had. So I think maybe I'm taking too much from their career, and you're taking a little too much from last year. And that's fair. I would I would counter with then as then as now as now. But
0: at the same time, to me, the Kyler Murray thing over Matt Stafford has little to do with Kyler Murray and really more to do with Matt Stafford. I think at this point, Matt Stafford's injuries have piled up over the years. He's age 35 going in now this year. And to me, I I would argue that there's a good chance that he probably doesn't finish this year and probably kind of does end up being a – 10 11 games, and you know, through 10 or 11 games, Kyler Murray was a better quarterback than he was last year. With Matt Stafford playing nine games, he just was. Um, you know, the, the, the stats are out there to prove that. The Geno Smith, you could say, Yes, it was an outlier year, but Geno Smith also has the least amount of tread outside of Brock Purdy of any of these quarterbacks. It's not like he's you know, uh, gotten beaten up for years or had to deal with injuries or anything like that. The guy hasn't started. And
1: he's pretty. There's no reason for him to really backslide. I know, especially because I can't wait when we get to the pass catchers. Like I, I pass catchers was hard. It's, it's a serious unit the Seahawks have. We'll say yeah. that. It, yeah. it is a very serious unit, um, and as, as well as adding another running back to the group. So I don't know. I think I think the reason for him to backslide is just the fact that his name's is Geno Smith, that we've just seen <laughs> and we've maybe just, that's you know, it's just the name that rings rings through the halls. Maybe that's enough. But Brock Purdy, to me,
0: I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of reason. I want to see him play against – they get Pittsburgh week one. They have to play Dallas. They have to play some re- – he struggled against some of the better defenses. He really – he did. Yeah. Um. Not that he was terrible, but, you know, and he doesn't really turn the ball over that much. But I want to see him do it on a full-game basis. So I agree with you. Let's go with running backs. This one was pretty straightforward. I think it's pretty much, you know, pick your poison at the bottom. The other ones is like, yeah, these are really good, you know, backfields. Uh, for me, I went the Rams fourth with Cam Akers, and uh, you know, and company. Pretty much, Cam Akers at this point, kind of leading that. I'm I'm not really seeing too much competition. You could maybe see some from a Kyron Williams or something like that. Arizona, I went with at number three. I think that James Conner is slowly but surely. You know, he hasn't been healthy, but he's he's getting to be a pretty good pass catching back, and it sounds like in camp they're trying to use him like that. So I went with James Conner and company at number three. Seattle at number two. Um, Kenneth Walker had an unbelievable rookie year. They bring in Zach Charbonnet, who seems to be a rookie that they really want to get involved in the offense as well. But it just starts and ends with Christian McCaffrey in this spot. He had Christian McCaffrey at number one, really for, you know, uh, obviously you're looking at that from a fantasy point of view, but still I think really as a player point of view, Christian McCaffrey, like, Might be the best running back in football and probably is uh, adding Elijah Mitchell there. Although I will say there was one knock that Christian McCaffrey's numbers definitely tanked off when Elijah Mitchell was in the game. However, you add the combination of the both of them. Plus, they play fullback. They got the best fullback in the league. Guy's getting like 25 catches a year, Kyle Ustrich, and and he's blocking like a fiend. So I'll always include a Kyle Ustrich backfield, no matter who it is, at the top of the division
1: he's a part of the running back too just like the rest of them uh, oh, running yeah. back group just like the rest of them um so i i almost the same um I, I swapped again like you said at the bottom i just swapped the cardinals i had them last
0: mm-hmm. mainly cuz
1: again I, james conner james conner i think had the year he had last year out of necessity you know what i mean out, out of out of nobody else was going to get it done for the cardinals down the stretch uh it, it, so i think that they just they fed him a ton of work he's he's 28 now so, I don't know if he, he maybe starts to take a downturn. So, that and an honorable mention they, I think, are in competition for um, the Houston Texans' hilarious running back room of the year. Yes. If we can just go through some of the other names on here Keontae Ingram, second year back at a USC, uh, Amari DiMicardo, De, uh, rookie out of TCU, and then some just some journeymen. Uh, Tyson Williams, who was with the Ravens, Corey Clement. And they just signed Marlon Mack earlier this week. <laughs> so, I mean, just, I mean, so many guys in that room, so many hilarious names and, and the mix of journeymen. Um, Cam Akers, I mean, Cam Akers, when he came back last year and healthy, he had a hundred yards in his final three games of the year last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Akers. And he was, you know, anybody who had talked about fantasy football, he was a, he was a league winner. If you ended up picking him up and had him in the playoff run, he was an absolute beast down the stretch of those last three or four games. Uh, number two, Seahawks I love the the the, Ken Walker the third and then Zach Charbonnet really uh two different kind of players that are going to complement each other really really well and then like I said 49ers you've got the best running back in the league and Christian McCaffrey along with a bunch of other solid names in there
0: pretty straightforward I'm not going to fault you for putting the Rams for putting Akers ahead of Connor I mean both of those guys are really going to dominate their backfields and you know we'll see Akers is a younger player probably more explosive they both got to stay healthy. So, no fault there for,
1: for taking either Split, one. Of splitting hairs. Literally. Splitting, the, splitting hairs. The smallest of hairs.
0: Yeah. The, the hairs, uh, like down down yonder. That's not not great hairs. <laughs> um, pass catchers. Let's go to pass catchers, blowing through it here. <laughs> Excuse me. Pass catchers was a little difficult, um, mainly because we have a lot of elite players. Like, I, I don't know if elite's the right word, but. The most elite player in this division at receiver is probably on a team where there's not a lot of talent around him. He's really backpacking the whole receiving room. And obviously, we're talking about Cooper Cup. So, without further ado, I obviously am going the Cardinals number four. I think that's to be not really explained. Uh, I put the Rams three. Uh, I had Cooper Cup there, but I, I, you know, Van Jefferson's a nice player, and Ben Skoranek's been around. Tyler Higby's okay, you know, at tight end, but outside of that, they're really young with with a couple of players and and then again a couple of journeymen. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is really where you, you have a lot of preference. And to me at the end of the day, I just saw the 49ers as just a little bit better. Just a, just a wee bit better. I I I I know that might be surprising, but I went with scheme and fit instead of necessarily all the talent in the world, I went Debo and Brandon Ayuk. uh, Again, two quality players that are playing receiver, and Debo does a lot more than that. And then they have George Kittle, who is still very, very, very productive, one of the best tight ends in the league, maybe top two or three. Um, Then a bunch of guys just fit their system. Danny Grays, the Chris Conleys, Jawan Jennings, those guys just kind of fit their system. They're not great players, but they do their job well. Inside of Shanahan's passing game, with Seattle, you obviously have the two beasts at the top with Lockett and Metcalf, and then and then you got JSM, and he's a fan, he's very intriguing. I think he's really the only receiver in this group that has the potential in this rookie class that has the potential to be an elite number one. I really do think that. Is he there yet? No. There is a pretty significant drop off after that for their receivers. A lot of inexperience and injured players, but those three guys are very difficult. And I could see you making the argument for Seattle at number one.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, so we uh, Cardinals number four. Yeah. Um, shout out to just Greg Dortch. Great name to just another great, great name. got to give a shout out on those deep in the depth chart. I also have the Rams three. Cause I, again, I, I just, I, it was, a, it was a tough thing to do because Cooper cup is again, a, a top three, four receiver in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else is uh everybody else in that team is, is just a jag, just a guy. I mean, it's just it's just a bunch of jags behind him. Van mm-hmm. Jefferson's a, a deep shot guy. Tutu Atwell is like slot receiver with not a lot of great separation or hands. Like all you, you know, know he had how he to do is like, run in a straight line.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And,
1: and Ben Skaronik is like a C plus Cooper Cup, so uh not even a B Cooper Cup. So there's that. And then I did have – I had the 49ers 2 and the Seahawks 1. And this is where I think we also get a little confused in this list because you start getting about scheme, and this is why Mac Jones ends up higher on his rank because he has Bill Belichick as a coach. Oh, I've never – go got Mac
0: Jones 4 and you know it.
1: We're looking at the players by a talent, and if you put them on any other team, where are they at? I mean, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and JSN are – Elite on no matter what team. I don't want to hear you telling me that Chris Connolly in year nine is a good player and he fits the scheme. And Willie Sneed in year 10, like like Debo, again, I, Debo, you can't give him we're talking pass catchers. Like he does, he's splitting time basically between running back and wide receiver now. Honestly. Wow. He, he's he, I mean, he's he's elite at what he does, catching the ball within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Brandon Ayuk, great year last year. But the Seahawks have three elite receivers on their team. Are we are we ready anywhere. to call
0: JSN? Is JSN an elite receiver right now? We really don't know as a rookie.
1: He's a great player. I, He's coming out. I, I kind of think we do. Because okay. in 21 with Ohio State, uh, he played with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Mm-hmm. Those two guys both blew up on the scene pretty well last year. In their rookie seasons, um, JSN had more ta- had more receptions, targets, and yards than those two guys when they all played together, and is clearly younger. Uh, Alave had sixty five catches, nine hundred thirty five yards. Wilson had seventy catches for a thousand and fifty. Jackson Smith and Jigba had ninety five receptions and sixteen hundred yards in that year, playing with those two other very elite receivers. That are already considered, I would say, elite now. Would you not say Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are better than average? They're definitely uh, better in, than average. Better than average. That. Uh, or, or in, I would say top twenty wide receivers, twenty They also wide they also dominate, they also dominate
0: because if you look at the receivers around them, you know, there's not a lot of targets to really go around in New York and New Orleans.
1: But they were still able to. Uh, They've, they've J- produced. JSN is going to, I I can't, I hope he does with him. I, I I think he is, he is so good. And again, if Gino doesn't regress uh, and he's able to keep up his efficiency, I mean, the Seahawks could have a top five passing offense this year, which is just crazy to say from where they were at last year. And I'm hoping I'm not buying in on the hype too much. And that would maybe, again, last year was the outlier. The Seahawks are such a battle for me between that is like, was last year the outlier, but now they've, only gotten better between adding jsn adding another running back and they get to suit like defense i mean they they nailed their defensive picks last year and they get devin witherspoon right now to step in uh and i think he's going to be an immediate impact player so uh the seahawks are such a difficult case for me from like remember where we were at the beginning of last season just this you know just 365 days ago today we were burying them under the on, you know under the, the football field and now it's like their compete for the 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 West with the 49ers who we absolutely love I love uh, listen I love
0: both of these teams I I really do I think I I think you know I think the 49ers are probably too high priced for their division odds because I I think Seattle is a lot closer than people realize first off Seattle and listen I actually like your argument I think it's valid I could definitely be talked into just putting Seattle's pass catchers ahead of them. But Seattle's a well-run organization. They've got a good coach. They've got a good front office. They've put together this team. They believed in Geno Smith. They went with him. They, they took the chance and traded, traded Russell Wilson. Sorry to bring that up. But they took the chance, and it has worked out for them very much so. So the fact that they were able to draft guys like JSN and Devon Witherspoon and other guys that I'll bring up with the, with the defense that I really, really like. So, you know. This is why I'm I'm pretty high on Seattle, not just being a playoff team, but being
1: probably a, close to a division winner. It, we neither of us mentioned Big Body Noah Fant, who's a, who's a fantastic tight end. As he's far very as, athletic, I mean, I'll say I should say he's one of the more athletic tight ends in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as just a matchup nightmare, yeah, I, I, I I'd like to see more out of him. I would. I, I
0: think I think he's got more in the tank than than he's played with so far in his career.
1: Yeah. I I, I I don't think there's gonna be enough targets to go around that he's gonna put up like crazy numbers because again, but he's just gonna be he'll be in those time time and space where um, he's gonna come out big and just uh, going back to JSN really quick because it clearly obsessed sure. uh your argument for Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, oh there's nobody else around them. So then when they all played together at Ohio State. Jason was clearly How, okay. All right. I, I, what, we're what,
0: mixing what? college football and it's it's a little different of a game, but that's okay. okay. Um let's go to defense. <laughs> um I'll be honest, this was very close for me. But uh, at the top, it was very, very close, but at the bottom it wasn't. It was pretty straightforward, but I'll let you have the four. Or no, I'm gonna take the four.
1: No, you uh-huh. went you went first last time when I was supposed to go first. So oh, gonna... okay.
0: My fault. Oh, I did that
1: my <laughs> My bad. Uh yeah, four cardinals cardinals have so i mean they they they've got nobody at the cornerback position their safeties you could say their safeties are safeties are good you get you got you got Baker and then isaiah simmons you count him in linebacker and safety he's just that hybrid player that i don't know why we don't don't really know what to do with him yeah uh the corners allowed just a extremely high success rate against the pass. they were dead last in the league they allowed Nearly, they were sixty-nine point eight percent completion percentage against them last year. Nearly seventy percent. They also lost their three best defensive linemen in JJ Watt, Zach Allen, and Marcus Golden, which was more than fifty percent of their sack production from oh. last year. And they did nothing to replace it. Uh, so they are way at the bottom. Way, way at the bottom. The Rams are third with maybe the second worst secondary in the I mean, they they also added. A, a, yeah had an extremely poor year last year. Their PFS lowest graded unit uh, for secondary unit coming into this season. Um, and the only reason they get the nod about the Cardinals, is they got a guy named Aaron Donald, who's maybe the best defensive player in the league, uh, just stuck with talk, just a bunch of Jags around, just, just guys around them. So um, they get there. I have the Seahawks at number two. Uh, again, I, I think that they have had two phenomenal drafts. Uh, you know, they're really three. I mean, they draft Michael Jackson three years ago they draft Tariq Woolen last year who played great as a rookie and now they add Devin Witherspoon. I mean, they, they've just revamped their secondary uh, immensely in the past few years. Um, Nwosu had a great year last year at nine and a half sacks. I do think beyond him, I worry about the pass rush unit a little bit. Um, They've got a lot of experience, but it doesn't feel like they've got a ton of guys who are going to go out and and get it themselves. You know, they're going to do it as more of a unit. Um, And then number one, I don't know if you're talking about being close between the Jags and Niners, but Niners just, they're loaded with dogs. I mean, we know that the Niners yeah. just have dogs all over the place. Both of the again, competing with Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the league, best defensive lineman in the league Nick Bosa. They had Javon Hargrave coming over from Philly along with Aaron Armstead, Cleveland Farrell. You've got Greenlaw and Warner at the linebacker position. It's just every single layer of the defense. Secondary is always potentially the problem, but mm-hmm. – the secondary's only got to cover for about four seconds when this, when this unit is getting after when that front seven's getting pressure on most of these teams. So uh, they end up getting tied behind it a little bit. They lose Jimmy Ward. Um, And now obviously no D'Amico Ryan's calling the defense. So we don't know how that will impact things, but uh, I think the 49ers at the top were just dogs.
0: Uh, We have the same exact list, except I would characterize the Seahawks is one B and the Niners one A. I really am that high on, on the Seahawks defense. Yeah. Uh, it's something with the front seven to me. Well, you know, I I, I kind of think their front sevens obviously the 49ers have a better front seven and they have a better linebacking crew. Like there's no question about that. And I think nobody would argue that Seattle probably has a better secondary on paper than them. However, I don't think their their front seven is that far off. I mean, when you bring in a Draymond Jones uh, in free agency I, I think when you're talking about Nwosu Nwosu is ready To to make the jump I think To like elite level He was everywhere last year for them yeah. I think they're counting on the young Boye Mafé To be the other edge rusher um, Who was pretty decent last year He's still developing but they're counting On him being there They do have um, some experienced guys Like Jerron Reed and others On that line Their linebacking core I mean Bobby Wagner it might be old as dirt, but he still performs like he's, he's, he is, he's the marathon man. I mean, he just, he's the Ironman. He never stops. Like he, he, we thought he was going to take a huge drop back and he didn't Jordan Brooks is one of the best tackling linebackers in football. I mean, he's, he's right up there. He's probably borderline top 10 linebacker in the league. I mean, he's really good, at least the off ball linebacker. And then you're talking about Witherspoon and Bullen. You still have Quandre digs. You still have, they bring Julian Love over from the Giants. Jamal Adams, I- I'm just not sure what he's going to play. It sounds like he's going to play linebacker or, like, blitzing safety, like edge safety. What what are you going to play there? they got to figure out
1: something with that, too. But I don't
0: think it's that far off. I really don't.
1: Yeah, I mean, they have three good safeties. Like, not a lot of like, – teams usually don't have two. They have three, like, solid safeties. And then, I agree. It's like, Jamal Adams, I think, is going to be in a real hybrid role this year, which I think is uh, – I think good for him. You know, he's not really great as far as dropping back to coverage. I think he's going to you know, be able to play a little closer down in the box and play a little play some man on some some tight ends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think the Seahawks, like you said, I think they are ready to make a good a big jump. Um, yeah, I just I there's something about the Seahawks again. I just flashes back to like literally a year ago and and we were we couldn't have been in a different place. We're, and I just don't want to be too short-sighted and too short memory. We were projecting them as like five and a half wins.
0: Like they were really down. Like we, nobody believed it. Geno it Smith was universal. Really changed things. Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, they, they've revamped. I, I like some of this Mike Morris, this kid at D tackle from Michigan is a rookie. They drafted Derek Hall out of Auburn. I really like who they drafted. So it wasn't just, and then they got Charbonnet, JSN and Dev I mean they really added a lot of elite talent in the rookie class they, nobody maybe had a better uh draft than them uh I, I Rams Aaron Donald same issue you could argue Arizona. I, I I don't know I mean I look at the Rams I go on our labs and I look at the Rams roster and um, on defense and I just see green because green means rookie free agent rookie free agent rookie free agent like it's literally peppered with
1: green all over our land i mean this is when for the past three years when we've been all going, how are the rams managing this how they just don't they're they're signing every, they're paying everybody big money they just don't have draft picks what are they going to do well they they didn't really have a plan they're just like <laughs> we're just going to suck i guess for a few years now because uh and again maybe some of these young guys are going to be able to overperform and, and make a name for themselves and, and obviously you know we face a great coach so he can he can get this team going, even though he's not really coaching the defense over there, but he could still evaluate talent at a high level, and maybe they're going to be able to find some guys that are going to contribute on this defense uh, alongside, again, having a game record like Aaron Donald there always keeps you in the game. But, yeah, I mean, they would be dead last in most of the divisions if they were in one with the Cardinals. They, they didn't draft – I
0: mean, the guy who they drafted, they drafted that left guard out of TCU, and then they drafted Stetson Bennett. It's yes. not like they drafted anybody on defense. Like they, I think they had one draft pick on defense. That was pretty much it. I mean, it, F them picks was really F them picks. And then when we had like a maybe semi-picks, nah, let's get a quarterback. That's <laughs> Like that's just,
1: let's do that. Well, and that's, I mean, I've heard a little bit of stuff in, in talks about it. Like the staffer get traded this year. You know what I mean? Like does, do they that's, try and trade him for, to get some, like they're now in the position where they maybe start, a rebuild, and, the, and you got to take some pieces that you have. Aaron Donald, I mean, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford. I wouldn't be surprised if any of these guys got traded this year. I, I don't know if Donald will, just because I think he's
0: he's probably determined to just retire in this position. I don't think they would do that to him. If they got rid of Cooper Cup, I mean, they're really selling out. They're really selling out. Stafford would be the most logical to me because he's a quarterback because he'd garner a lot of you know capital. I've heard a lot of stuff that less need is fascinated and loves Stetson Bennett, just loves him. So I don't know why. Uh, he saw him win national championship? Go for it. I love it. Um, I'm not really sure that, you know, makes the jump, but we'll see. You know, he loved him so much, She drafted him in the fourth round. Okay, so whatever. Uh, But we'll see how they jump. Speaking of coaches, this is a coaching room. And uh that's part of the reason why I kinda switched it up a little bit, Anya, with coaches here. Uh I want Arizona obviously has never been they might be bottom
1: bottom 32. Pew, pew, yeah. pew, pew shots. Yeah. Shots. Shots. yeah. It's the start. only thing I know about Jonathan again. I know nothing else about him except that one clip of him talking to Rondo. Oh, he's so he's so cringeworthy and like not human.
0: Like it's he's really not. Seattle, I went to. Uh, I still think Pete is a good coach, and they have kind of the insular way they've done things. Shane Waldron coaching the offense; uh, he's been doing that for a couple of years. I went San Francisco at two, and the Rams at one, and that might surprise you because I do think Shanahan is a better coach than McVay. I do somewhat worry about the transition; like it shouldn't be that difficult to have them be good on defense it really shouldn't we'll see how Steve Wilkes does uh he wasn't a great he did okay in Carolina as the interim head coach he was not great in Arizona um lasted one year as a head coach I think Raheem Morris is probably a better DC than him and with that McVay and Shanahan are so close like at the end of the day McVay has coached his team to a Super Bowl and that has a lot of weight, as much as I think Shanahan is a better coach with a better system that works better, and I think is more innovative. Uh, I would put the Rams' coaching room
1: ahead of the 49ers. Uh, yeah. See, I thought when you are getting tricky here, I thought you were going to put Pete up there. I thought Pete was going to sneak over McVay oh, no. for you because I, I well, see, I almost, I almost, I almost did. Because again, Pete yeah. is just like we've sent him to. We've been trying to put it to bed and put it in the nursing home for a long time now. And man just keeps chomping his gum. It just keeps working away. And it just, it just again, revamped, revamped this team last year. I mean, everybody thought, again, everybody was, that's ah, going to have a down year last year. Pete will probably be gone after this. And then we'll reassess. Him. And then it's like, just brings him back to life. Uh, I can't put, I, I get like, so McVeigh and Shanahan are very close, but Shanahan still has won seven out of 10 matchups from them. So true. How close are they? Especially six in a row. Uh, And I think for the most part, McVay's had the more talented, uh, I guess more offensively. I won't say overall team because for, the four ers have had a better defense over the past time that they've been playing against each other. But uh, It's hard I to do... separate
0: them though because they both, yeah. I mean, McVay's coached them to two Super Bowls. They've won one. Shanahan has been there every year, got them to one Super Bowl. Like, I, you know, it's splitting hairs there And when you have continuity Continuity to me is important That's yeah. what I would say And that's why with Raheem Morris Who from personal accounts And then from, you know, obviously reading Is just one of the best defensive coordinators In the league Regardless of whether he has talent around him or not
1: Yeah, no, I, I can't fault you For taking that into effect with that I, I mean, I was not going to put McVay over Shanahan on this list Just as far as the head coaching thing goes yeah, I, get that. And I, I And Steve Wilkes I mean, I thought I definitely I give him a lot of credit for what he did in Carolina. I mean, Carolina was god-awful and when when he took over that team. And they had nothing to work with at the quarterback position. He really coached that team up pretty well. I thought they played, they played great. I mean, they they just ran the ball and played really good defense once he took mm-hmm. over, which I think, you know, that's what happens when you get a DC taking over the head coaching position. So uh I you know, I thought he did a great job there in Carolina. And I think he'll be able to do good again. One of these guys, a lot of guys out there, great coordinators. Just not head coaches, and I think you know it's, that's maybe what Steve Wilkes is at, and he, he fits into great interim head coach. Now we can give him that. He you can't give we, him you that. You know, tag. if we need him for we need him for six, seven games, we can take him. But uh, I think he'll do. I think he'll do fine as a DC. And again, pretty easy with the talent you got coming in, taking over. I mean, uh, uh, how
0: are you not good? How are if you're not? I mean, if they take a minor step back, like it's it's like how did you do that? You literally
1: improved the team on paper on the defense. I feel like if you just tell – you you don't even have to get creative. Just Let's just rush four, and we're probably going to get home at yeah. a pretty good rate and yeah. just drop back into a bunch of coverage and, and, you know, let's switch it up between man and zone a little bit, and I think we'll be all right. Yeah, pretty much. I mean – and I think also Shanahan has
0: his hand in the defense a lot more than McVay does. I think McVay lets Raheem Morris do his thing. He's so, you know, locked in on what he's doing – uh, and he's there as like, you know, kind of you kind of see him as like not moral support, but like he is, you know, around the defense, but not really coaching it doing X's and O's stuff. I think Kyle likes to design his offense and then get guys in the room and be like, hey, how are you running this defense? Let me see if I can crack it, you know, and here's how I would crack it. Like, I think he has I think from listening to things, he has more input with those coaches as far as I'm understood. Uh that's it, and that's all. That's the entire. Who has? Who is? There's a question before we say goodbye. Who is your first coach fired?
1: Ooh. Ooh, 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 let's think. I have good expectations for the Browns this year, but I do think Kevin Stefanski is extremely on the hot seat if they get off to a slow start. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a. Ton of money invested in that quarterback, and if we can't get things to work sooner rather than later, I think Stefanski—he's been awful in the division. We highlight that every year is that he's just got awful in the division. So I think he's on the hot seat. I'm trying to think through some teams, some coaches that have been there a little while, that if they don't get going early, then they could be out. Um, It might be an easy
0: one here, just because of the regime change. I mean, if the if the commanders are really tanking. Yeah, you know, just be like, okay, we're just restarting new ownership, like that's it.
1: Yeah, no, I think that one would make a ton of sense. Um, and then you got like you've already like, um, and not not to mention that they just brought in the enemy. It's like this enemy. And it's it's like, not so poised to be out. a head coach. Yeah, it's, it's, they're saying the yeah. offense. There's been a lot of players complaining. Uh, about the system and, st- and just not liking working with him, but they also got Jack Del Rio, who's got head coaching experience. Well, there, so there's interim. an interim so head coach for I, it. I think, I think that's your interim. So I, I, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, I would say that's probably. Uh, so many other guys are are too new, um, or, or have too young a quarterbacks that you can't really fire the coach too early. Can I
0: throw one out there
1: just to just to see if it piques your interest? Um,
0: if this team really underperforms, the whole narrative around this team is that they have a ton of talent. They should be better on defense. They should have a good old line, a great quarterback. Yet their coach isn't very good. Brandon Staley. There you go.
1: There you go. Also with quarterback uh, uh, OC in waiting to be a head coach. And <laughs> <it's Mike laughs> Kellen Moore.
0: Why did I bring that up? Why did I bring that up?
1: <laughs> I set my
0: own trap. Uh, no, I agree with you. I think Rivera – I think Brandon Staley, maybe McDaniel's, if if the Raiders, because you never know with them what they oh, do. Oh
1: yeah, he's prime. He's actually prime to be. Oh no, we
0: no. I that, I, I think
1: I don't think he. I think he makes the season. I don't know if he makes the off season. But again, he's. I mean, as a Broncos fan, I can relate too. It's just like that division. Let him draft
0: a guy. Just, just, let just let him draft one guy.
1: You know, like that would be my argument.
0: Let him. He, got to, he got to
1: bring Jimmy G, and it's like basically the same. Like he just got <laughs> to get the guy that he wanted from back in the day. He's just got like a little, guy. little more salt and pepper now.
0: That's so funny. That's so funny. Jimmy will never have a gray hair on his mark, mark.
1: he'll he'll be doing just for men I've or whatever. I've seen him. But he's a little. He's, he's a little. He's a little turning over, but you know, it's like you know, ladies always say, "A little salt and pepper just makes him more handsome." It's just like fine wine. I mean, he's oh, just getting even better looking God. by the day. He's like uh he's like Stanley Tucci
0: searching for Italy. Like that's that's what he is. He could host that show, Stanley. It's oh it's like one of my guilty pleasure shows right now. I love it. Uh imagine Jimmy with him walking around Rome. Oh, they'd be they'd be dancing in the streets. It'd be great. <laughs> uh that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's it for our position rankings. Next week, we take the whole league, we put it in a pot, and we say, who is the best? Of these position rankings in the entire league. So that should be a lot of fun. Last year we were pretty on point with that. We had a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. See if that's the same way around the bench.
1: Now, do we stick with top four? Like we're doing divisions, or would we do top five, just because you know five feels like a more five is a cooler number, a standard number. Okay. I, I, then, I'll uh, I'll be open for that.
0: I wanted to do bottom four, honestly. But
1: I, I want to say I would I was gonna say I want to give not bottom four. We just get to get we get to pick our worst, just the one that we the think worst. is the dead last. So we I like just that. A top five, and then just who we have as we think this is the worst unit amongst this in the NFL. Yeah, I love
0: I love that. This is how the sausage is made. We literally make stuff up on the fly. It's great. Uh, we'll do that. We'll do top five positional ranking show next week of the NFL and bottom barrel positional ranking as well on the Sunday card. I love that, Maddie. It is preseason week one. I'm excited. I'm watching Mac Jones. I don't know if Mac Jones is going to play actually
1: tomorrow, but I'll see CJ Stroud tomorrow uh, playing against us. CJ, we're interested. We got a lot of quarterbacks that we're going to see this weekend. CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson. Oh, I can't wait for More Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. We got a lot of guys that we're going to actually get to see. You know, that Hall of Fame game was all backups. We get to actually learn some stuff about some, some players that are going to make an impact this season. Uh, in these games coming up Before you go,
0: most intriguing player you want to see This weekend is who?
1: Anthony, I mean Anthony Richardson Anthony I think. Richardson I think I think that should be everybody's answer
0: He looks 6'3", 255 he weighed in at
1: <laughs> He's I'm a wolf. freak
0: He is Cam Newton reincarnated And maybe better like, I'm looking at him. I, I want to see Jordan Love. I really do. I've been seeing a lot of Jordan Love on Twitter. I really want to see if he's good. Like, I really do.
1: So much Jordan Love hype. So much Jordan Love hype. And it's like, yeah, maybe he's not the worst. Maybe
0: not. Maybe he can play. Maybe they got another quarterback. We'll see. All right. For Matty Ice, Matty c Silver, I'm Dan Zampano. We'll see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, You've been listening to the <laughs> NFC West Positional ranking show right here on the Sunday Cup. The Sunday Card Podcast is co-hosted and directed by Dan Zampano, co-hosted by Matt Silbreth, and produced by Lou Paracone. You can listen to The Sunday Card on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen to us on Sports Country Radio at sportscountry.net at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Saturdays, and again at 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Follow us on Twitter for all of our picks throughout the regular season, at the Sunday Card, And remember... If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.